Good morning, friends. Uh, please stand for the gospel. The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So that's like $7.9 billion in this day. Okay. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all their possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. I looked that up. And um, that's worth about, well, a day's wages is one. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. And then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused then. He went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. Give it up for Rajan. <laughs> oh, I love that woman. Hey, people. Uh, my name is Steve. If you are new at Genesis, we are a, what we call ourselves is a warmly liturgical church. That means we do prayers and we follow the rhythms of the church calendar, and we also follow the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a three-year-long cycle of passages which goes through, there's a gospel, there's an epistle, there's an Old Testament reading, and there's a psalm, and you can pick one of those if you're the preacher. And we've been living in uh, mostly Matthew for the last several weeks, and so today we're going to talk about forgiveness. So without using any type of profanity... It's an all-play question. When you hear the word forgiveness, what is the first thing that rises up out of your heart, gut, mind, or spirit? Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> yes. Oh, you did, but I, you got the laugh. Say, say it again. Yeah, something terrible happened. And now forgiveness is an opportunity. Yep. Deserving. Jenny, say more. I don't think it deserves forgiveness. Heck yes, or heck no. Exactly. Exactly. So you do a little calcul. Okay. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> yes, Brian. By the way, Brian just did the Iron Man uh, in Madison. 
and he made it to church. I don't, I don't see John Crossland who did the Iron Man made it to church. So, <laughs> I love you, John. He no longer loves me. So forgiveness. Um, you know, the truth is that uh, my reaction mostly is, is very similar to Brian. Ugh. We know we ought to forgive. We know that there probably is some positive value in forgiving, but it's really hard to do, isn't it? I mean, we cry when we have the opportunity to forgive. Uh, and then we go to church, and then we're told that we ought to forgive and just let go of the pain. And that might actually aggravate the situation, adding guilt to the already heavy burden of pain and shame. So let's not do that, okay? Let's not do that. But it's a little hard when you have a text that says, uh, then the king tortured the guy, and by the way, God will torture you if you don't forgive anyone from your heart. Which, as an aside, like anyone who says like, no, I follow every word of the Bible, every single one, just if it's written, I follow it. That, then I point out this verse. I say, all right. So you've forgiven every single person that's ever harmed you. Anyway. Um, so let's try to make sense out of this passage and the parable. When Jesus says you should forgive not seven times, but 77 times, what is he saying? Well, several options. One, he might be saying, hey, keep careful records. Once you pass 77, you can be a miserly so-and-so with your love. So keep track. Or he might be saying, hey, forgive everyone for everything, no matter what, no matter if you're ready, no matter the cost. That's what he might be saying. And I think that's how we interpret it mostly, because we know number one's not really practical. None of us have a belt big enough to make that many notches for that many people, or even a journal, or an iPhone. It's just too complicated. So Jesus winks, and he says, I'll tell you a story. So a servant owes a master 10,000 talents, which uh, I actually did the math. According to, if you live in the United States, the median income for a household is $51,000. 10,000 talents is about 150 years worth of wages. And so literally, in today's dollars, that would be a debt of $7.6 So imagine racking up that kind of debt. Number one, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, what could you get? With 7.6 billion. But then uh, the master calls for an accounting of everyone that owes him debts, finds out this guy owes him 7.6. And the guy's reaction is, hey, 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 hey. Have patience, I'll pay you back. 7.6 billion. So the king, the master, just wipes the slate clean, no more debt. Uh, you're free to go. And then, on the way out, we read, he runs into a guy that owes him about a day's wages. And he grabs him by the throat and throttles him and says, pay me what you owe me. Day's wages. This guy says the same thing that he just said to the master, have patience with me, I'll pay you back. But the guy said no, throws him into prison until he can pay the debt back. Now, if you're in prison, what aren't you doing? Okay, so that's a death sentence. Um, 
Then we get to the part that says, if we don't forgive as God forgives, which is wiping out the $7.6 billion debt that other people owe us, then God will torture us and throw us in prison forever. All right. So um, we need to understand, first of all, that we're talking about trying to understand divine forgiveness. So I think we can throw out the first option that Jesus is saying, if you get up to 77, then you're scot-free about forgiving. But we can also throw out the second option, forgive everyone for everything, no matter what, no matter if you're ready, no matter what the cost. Jesus is saying, by saying 77 times, that forgiveness is not a commodity to be calculated. It's limitless. 77 times doesn't adequately describe God's forgiveness for you, and neither does 7.65 billion. So we're talking about something completely different, something that can't be quantified, something that can't even totally be understood by us. So let's look back at the response from the guy who owed the 7.6 billion to the master. You can even pull out your liturgy. Here's an all-play question. His, in his response, what don't you see? Forgiveness, yes. Keep, keep going. The guy's just been forgiven a debt of $7.6 billion. We don't see gratitude. We don't see awareness. We don't see empathy. We don't see, thanks, Dan, any connection between the two situations. Now, yes. Ah, Karen. I don't think he sees that it's by forgiving that you're healed, not even being forgiven the debt. When he says to the master, have patience with me, I'll pay you back. How do you read that? Again, 7.6 billion. <laughs> Probably to everybody. Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> like, yeah. He's so used to lying and manipulating that it just comes out of his mind. This is probably not the only person he owes money to. Scotty, his ego's writing checks, his body can't cash. That sounds like Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah, brother. Um, I'll pay you back, $7.6 How do you do that? Yeah, for about 150,000 years without spending anything. So it's impossible. So... We're learning some things about this guy. Probably owes a lot of people a lot of money. He's used to lying and manipulating. Doesn't really understand the nature of what he's been forgiven or what he owes. So to be a person of forgiveness and mercy, you actually have to exit the justice game, play a different game entirely. You need to, at some point, experience the absurd mercy of God to realize that you can never work hard enough 
to earn God's mercy, no matter how times you get it right. And you can never lose it, no matter how, no matter how many times you've gotten it wrong. So, don't answer this question, because it's too personal. But just raise your hand if you've ever received what you would call absurd mercy. Wow. Absurd mercy. So most of us are caught playing a game called distributive justice. And God is playing a different game entirely. It's more like ollie, ollie, oxen free. Just come home. Yeah, this is the 50th time I said I would never do it again. Okay. And there are some people that say, no, God's wrath. You got to talk about God's wrath. You cannot understand God's love unless you understand God's wrath. And I say to that, no. No. If the work of Christ on the cross really paid it all, there is no wrath. There is absurd love and mercy. So absurd that if you really understand it, it'll make you mad because it's not distributive to the people that you think should be punished. If you really get it, the divine, crazy, bizarre, beautiful, absurd mercy of God, it will make you angry. So here's the progression of thought in the scriptures. This is fascinating. This is, first of all, where Jesus gets the term 77. You ever wonder like how he pulls that one out? Like it's, it's clever. You know, but it's like seven times 11 is 77. But he's actually pulling this from somewhere. Genesis 4, 23 and 24. So this is before Noah, but after Adam. Lamech, I'm reading Genesis 4, verses 23 and 24. Lamech, one of the descendants of Adam, said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. First of all, biblical marriage. <laughs> Wait for it. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 77-fold. So, wait a minute. I thought Cain murdered Abel. If Cain is avenged sevenfold? So what narrative was Lamech holding on to about Cain and Abel? Yeah, Abel probably started it. So Cain was justified in killing him. Richard Rohr says this, that the only way you can do evil is by convincing yourself that it's the right thing to do. And then what's fascinating in Genesis 4, it just moves on. <laughs> like, okay. Like that's what happens back then. In Genesis 4, someone hits you, you kill them. Next verse. <laughs> it doesn't correct it or say, well, you know, nah. But then we get to Exodus 21, and we read this crazy progressive thought. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. 
What does that mean in terms of vengeance? It's limited. It's got to be equal. If someone hits you, you can hit them back, but you can't kill them. If someone steals your ox, you can steal it back and go on and on and on. It's meant to, it, that progressive, crazy thought was meant to restrict violence in Exodus. Then we get to the Gospels, Matthew 5. Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now there he's quoting scripture. You get that? Jesus is quoting scripture. He could have said, well, the Bible says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give him your cloak as well, which would render you naked. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Now you got to remember, Jesus is saying this to first century Palestinians who are being oppressed by Rome. And it was law that a Roman soldier could come up to you, give him your pack, give you his pack. You'd have to walk a mile. But you could only walk a mile. That was the limit. And Jesus is saying, when you get to that mile mark, keep going force that Roman soldier to break the law. Now who has the power? Forgiveness, actually, when you, when you don't resist an evildoer this way, even if they harm you, forgiveness gives you the power to say, you can do this to me, but I'm not going to let you harm me by hating you. I'm going to release that. And this is graduate level stuff here. Most of us are still in Genesis 4. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm not kidding. And so there's this progression to the idea of what forgiveness is. You've all heard the Corey Ten Boom quote, Forgiveness is releasing a prisoner and then finding out that it's you. So, some thoughts on forgiveness. First of all, what it's not. It's not saying that what happened is okay. It's not saying that at all. Uh, it's, it's what someone said earlier, that this horrible thing happened, and now it's an opportunity to move forward. So it's definitely not saying that what happened is okay. And in fact, I would even invite us to change our language. When someone says, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? To actually don't say, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. And that actually demeans the, the invite. You can think about it, and if you can, you can say, I forgive you. Uh, Forgiveness is also not saying that you're going to be best friends again or even friends at all. Forgiveness is different than reconciliation. Two different things. Which is why you can even forgive someone that has died. Because it's not about reconciling. It, it might lead to reconcil reconciliation. How beautiful would that be? But it doesn't always mean that. And sometimes it wouldn't even be healthy to mean that. 
So forgiveness is essentially waiving your right to collect payment. Then you might think, the person that hurt you, if you had some time with a journal or a counselor or just some coffee, you might say, here's what I want. I want them to say they're sorry. I want them to be sorry. You might say, I want it to never have happened in the first place. You might say, I want them to pay. Forgiveness is waiving your right to collect payment. It's surrendering your rights in that way to collect payment. It's saying, I will move on without vengeance, without retribution, or even simple justice. It is to generously draw a line under the debt and say, that's over. Time to move on. And when you realize the depth and the strength and the courage that it takes to do that, you realize that just as forgiveness was a progression in the scriptures, it's probably going to be a progression in your own life. Amen? So it's irresponsible like, I've heard some sermons on forgiveness, and then the pastor says, okay, before you reach your car, you get your phone out, you call that person, and you forgive them. That's completely irresponsible, bypassing the process. Because it says in the Scriptures, forgive them from your heart. Now, I think forgiveness might be a decision, <laughs> much more than I feel like forgiving. Anyone say an amen on that one? Like, I feel like forgiving you because I feel such warm feelings towards you. No. You might really be angry. But that's why it's not, forgiveness is not feeling sweet. It's waiving your right to collect payment. So I think if you have someone in your mind that you are having a hard time forgiving, I want to give some thoughts. Number one, be honest and name what you're wishing for. Name the payment that you're wishing to collect. Name it. You know when you read in the Psalms sometimes some of those gruesome things like, may their babies be dashed against the rocks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Biblical view of retribution. I heard someone say one time, that, that's just, that's the psalmist like being honest so that they can move toward a more healthy response. But first, you got to name the payment that you want. I want their babies to be dashed against. I mean, I hope that's not true for anyone, but it might be babies dashed against the rocks. But it, but it proves how, how hard it is to forgive. So name. Name the payment that you want. Be honest about it. Maybe it's vengeance. Maybe it's a different past. Maybe it's for them to be sorry. And then sit with that. And then start practicing small forgiveness. Like on Facebook. Seriously. Move on. Someone writes something to you that, oh, you want to write something back? I'm going like this, like you, like you do this on Facebook. Anyone have analog Facebook? It's like you mail it to someone. 
<laughs> or traffic. Or email. Or just even, you know, if someone like takes credit for something. And when you empty the dishwasher or you clean the house and then someone comes over and says, oh man, like maybe they assume it's, some, it's one of the spouses that clean the house, but it's you. And they turn to the other person and said, wow, the house looks so clean. And you're like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> really not Mm. start small practice letting go of payment and then notice what notice what happens in you right when you actually release when you waive the right for to collect payment there is something that happens in your spirit that lightens and when you refuse to waive the right to collect payment, there is something in your spirit that, that does this. So we have, to, we have to practice. And then, as it relates to that person in number one, let it be a progression. What can you waive today? Today. Regarding that hurt. What, what can you waive today, honestly? Maybe it's this big. But if forgiveness is one of the primary characteristics of God, and we are becoming more and more like his son Jesus, then God will lead us more and more into being people who can release the debt. That's just the direction it will go. Because God wants us to be free. Now again, this is brutal. This is graduate level. But I think Jesus gives us these bizarre parables because he really, and he ends it with that really bizarre ending. It's like him saying, this is a really important thing. So we're going to go into 60 seconds of silence. And I want to invite you to let God speak to you. And um, maybe, like, the face of the person in your mind is just big. If you need to, carry that person into the presence of Jesus and leave them there. Shut the door there. And then be with the Father and allow God to speak to you. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us now.